Hello and welcome to the Dugout Podcast. This is our fourth episode. Uh, we are joined today by one new guest. You've never heard his voice before. His name is Peter Beek. We call him Beeks, but you could call him Peter Bikulu. Peter, say hi. Hi, guys. How are you? How have you been? Uh, probably just sitting on my couch until it's uh, it has a hole in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are looking forward to having football, uh, very good discussions on your coach, from your coach, uh, about today's topics. Uh, we're also joined by Michael Moyer. Michael, how have you been? I've been okay. I've been good. I hope also not to burn a hole through my coach, but... Hopefully. I, I hope we can get back to normal soon with everyone healthy. Yeah, uh, that would be a good thing. And finally, we're joined by Fabian. Fabian, hi. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm okay now. Uh, it wasn't a few days ago, but I'm getting better. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it a case of the COVID? <laughs> <laughs> Similar symptoms, but no. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm still on COVID eighteen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet nineteen. Not yet nineteen. You've not upgraded. Um, it's fine to hear that all of you are doing well. Uh, of course, this week the Bundesliga has taken a lot of our attention. Um, Bayern Munich went seven points clear at the top. When they beat Borussia Dortmund one nil um, away, was that the title done, Fabian? Yeah, yeah, effectively, yes. the The title was won on Tuesday night uh, because they, <laughs> there's just no way Bayern are going to mess up with only five games remaining after this weekend's games, uh, and even the Dortmund C is it CEO or Michael Zock was saying, in fact, after today's game, he was saying that Bayern are going to be champions. They're only, Dortmund are only now, you know, fighting for a Champions League spot and essentially to finish second. So, yeah, that's title number eight in a row, Dan. Michael, when you watch this game, um, were Dortmund in any way close to, did, did they show any signs of challenging uh, Bayern f- for the title in this remaining games? Well, yeah, I think during the the, the big game against Bayern, they they showed some resolve, I'll be honest. They showed like they some spark, they showed some fight. Like they actually wanted to win the game. But you know, as as the world has it, the house always wins. So Bayern <laughs> with a little bit of luck and their quality. And you know, with such a big team, with such a really, really strong mentality, it was inevitable. And I think maybe, I know I'm going to get uh, <laughs> some stick for this, but maybe if Dortmund had the crowd, the yellow wall, mm-hmm. they would have had a better chance. But I think it was inevitable that Bayern would win that game. Uh, Big, what happened to your favorite German team? I think um, the draw was stolen from us. 
there was a clear foul that's not not a clear foul a clear handball that the ref just ignored and well it must be boring for Bayern 18 arrow good for you we clap for you and thank you <laughs> you are talking about the incident involving was it Alaba Boateng Boateng sorry Boateng involving Boateng but even then um, the quality that Bayern showed, do you think Dortmund would have had enough to perhaps get something out of the game? If it was refed fairly, we, we had a very good chance of like getting away that draw and then losing the title mm. anyway. Yeah. Mm. Because apparently Bayern, Bayern's players have been, have been training for a long time and our players are very much unfit and are just falling around like flies. Well, Dortmund followed up. Well, Dortmund went back to winning ways this weekend after beating Paderborn 6-1. Uh, Jadon Sancho being the star of the match, ending up as man of the match with a hat-trick and an assist. Um, is he the real deal and is he the kind of player that Dortmund need to keep so that they challenge Ban for the title in the coming seasons, if he is to stay. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's easily the best player in the Bundesliga, but that that only means that Dortmund are not going to keep him, uh, and, <laughs> and 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 that has been the the theme of Dortmund. They 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 provide the the best conditions for talents like Sancho's to thrive, but. Uh, once they've hit that uh, uh, that high, then obviously the players themselves want. I don't know. They feel. I don't know if they feel that Dortmund is not no longer big enough for them. I don't expect Sancho to stay at Dortmund uh, beyond the summer. So, and it will probably be a bidding war among the the bigger European clubs. Um, so yeah, he's not likely to stay. Lewandowski didn't stay. Mario Götze didn't stay. Hummels didn't stay, though he came back. So that's just it. It's uh, it's unfortunate. But with Dortmund, somebody else will will just come in and uh, will will shine just as much. So there's no problem. Um, I should have ha- asked you this, but I'll give Moya this, Michael. Uh, Bayern beat Fortuna Düsseldorf five nil yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's a procession to the title now, as Fabian has said. But yeah. what do they need to do so that they go to the next level, and that is maybe winning the Champions League or um, adding to this title uh, next season? Bayern are a really good team, and I, I think they are on the right track. The Bundesliga is boring for them. Dortmund will... I don't think they're ever going to challenge them in the near future. Bayern are probably going to win 13 in a row, easily. Mm-hmm. But the Bayern have been evolving. The young players have been coming up really well. And I don't think they need to make a really big adjustment. Mm-hmm. I think they are in a really good... I think they are in a in what I, what I would call a progression state. Mm-hmm. Where in the probably next season, I think Bayern will be challenging for 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 the Champions League. I re- I really do believe so. So they shouldn't really make any any changes. They have great culture. They keep 
bring in new players. They have nice players in Ginabri and the rest. Lewandowski is still scoring goals. Like it's child's play for him. Mm-hmm. So next season they are still one of the top teams in the world, I believe. Right. Uh big RB Leipzig are away to Cologne tomorrow, June first, that is. Uh they were at some point Bayern's biggest challenges uh before the lockdown. What has gone wrong from second to fifth? I don't know what has gone wrong for them. I haven't watched the match, but the little I've watched, they are very good going forward, but I think their French centre-backs are letting them down. They're conceding too many goals. They're not scoring well, enough. Uh, oh, well, Timo Werner is keeping the heat going forward, but they aren't like keeping keeping their opponents from not scoring. So they need to show up the defense. Right. And Fabian Schalke lost their fourth or fifth game in a row, if I'm not mistaken. One mail to Vada Brahman. Again, um, is David Wagner a fraud or are they just going through <laughs> very hard times? <laughs> yeah, you know, you've. Uh, okay, normally you like uh, calling coaches, especially frauds. <laughs> Uh, normally it's all for fun, but you've got to question this guy because, well, when he was at Huddersfield, uh, they were playing some nice stuff. They got promoted, uh, and survived uh, that the season they got promoted, uh, barely survived. And then the next season, it just all went, you know, horribly wrong. And I think it's the same thing. He had started off well at Schalke. They were they were they were like signs of progress. You could, uh, and I think there's a time when Chelka was among the teams in in the top four this season. Mm-hmm. But now it's just I don't know. I don't know whether it's its methods or he's just not getting to the players anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like with methods. After a while, they just they they just become ineffective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's that's what happened at Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. Um, they were playing. But just not scoring, like going forward, just they play a lot, but the goals don't come. And the same thing with, with Schalke at the moment. Uh, on Saturday, they were playing uh, Vada Bremen, and Vada Bremen was uh, not in, a, in good form themselves, uh, desperately trying to climb out of the relegation. But Vada Bremen controlled the game. Yeah. So I think at a certain point, uh, even the the people in charge of Schalke will will have to really reevaluate uh, their coaching uh, position. I think he'll he'll be gone soon. <laughs> Hopefully, not soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Give him two more seasons. Two more seasons. They'll be they'll be a Bundesliga two side. <laughs> oh. Wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, other results from the Bundesliga this weekend. Gladbach beat Union Berlin 4-1. Hatha won again 2-0 at, uh, against Augsburg. And Hoffenheim beat Mainz 1-0. And, uh, of course, as you said, Schalke lost 1-0 to Werder Bremen and Wolfsburg lost at home to Eintracht Frankfurt. What's... what's, what's um, 
been noticeable across the three match days. Have they been three matches? Three match days of the Bundesliga so far is that there are so many away wins compared to what uh, used to happen before the the lockdown. So this weekend there are four away wins and three home wins, no draws. Uh, the previous weekend we had teams again winning away from home. Is this the new normal? And has um, the lack of fans in stadiums affected home players, Fabian? Yeah, I think I think this is the new normal. Um, when you play in an empty stadium, it's the the, the atmosphere is is that of a training session. So in a training session, see anyone can the anyone can win. It's a bit uh, even, if I may say so, uh, because you you get uh, since the lockdown, since the Bundesliga resumed, the teams playing away from home, they. They go into games knowing that, well, there there are no home fans to to sort of instill that fear in them. So they go knowing they can play, they can actually win, and they play well. Uh, from what I've seen, away teams are, are not not only they're not just winning because they are scoring the opponents; they're actually playing well, controlling games, and winning. So I think this is a new normal and. With even the Premier League uh, set for set for the restart, I think this is an area that uh, teams should be very worried about. Um, the the home advantage just doesn't exist anymore uh, with, with with without the fans with, with the matches in uh, uh, closed with the stadiums closed to the fans. So you go you go to the pitch knowing that. The away team has an equal, if not even, if not better, a chance than you to win. So, yeah, I think it's it's pointing out to a new normal because uh, I was just looking at the statistics, and I think mm. the away wins since the Bundesliga re- restarted mm. are almost fifty percent, forty-four to fifty percent. Mm. That's unheard of. And and you see, you've not even factored in the draws, so it means the the home wins are in the region of twenty thirty percent. Yeah. Mm. So this it points that it it points to this being a something a new normal at least until the 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 stadiums are opened back again. Mm. So the stats I have here: seventeen away wins uh, so far. Seven home win, seven home wins and ten draws. Michael, um, yeah. Before the Premier League, um, so uh, Michael, yeah. Should Premier League teams be wary of this, or is Premier League a different league entirely? I want to add to what uh, Fabian has said. Since the Bundesliga has returned yeah, with the ghost games, uh, about twenty percent of home teams have won. And I think this phenomenon will not just be central to the Bundesliga. I think this will affect football in, in general because uh, everyone wants to play at home. That's a fact. And the home, the home side always gets the psychological advantage when it comes to the fans because the fans play a role in a match. That's, that's important. And it also, And this phenomenon will particularly in my opinion, affect the smaller clubs. Because the smaller clubs who 
usually require what we would say passion, mm-hmm. you know, and a screaming, a, a really loud, a loud environment for them to go the extra mile to push themselves. So smaller clubs in the Bundesliga have been affected and in the Premier League will also be affected. Because if we do look at the games that have happened in the Bundesliga, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. If Schalke, do you th- Schalke would probably have played differently uh, against Werder Bremen if they had 60,000, 70,000 of their fans. Maybe they would have pushed them. Maybe they would have felt accountable. But if all they have is cardboard cutouts of black, white, <laughs> no Asian kids on the stands, then there is no motivation. There is no motivation for anyone to push themselves and to score. Mm. And if you look at other teams like Freiburg, you know, and the rest, they and also Dortmund, you know, maybe it would have made a difference. And I know, admittedly, the stats are too few for us to draw a certain conclusion. Mm-hmm. But these are the stats that we have now. Mm-hmm. And these are the results. So it will affect the Premier League heavily. And some clubs are going to talk about it being unfair, even if COVID was an act of God, if you can say that. Because, for example, Liverpool, they live the Merseyside derby. I think Everton played Liverpool at Anfield in December. Mm. And they have to play the reverse fixture. Mm without any fans. Mm. So if they lose, they're going to have an excuse and say, we didn't have fans, but no one else had fans. So it will affect every single league that decides to go back. Mm. And is it unfair? Is it something that we should consider for the future? Because I don't see fans coming back to football anytime soon. Mm. Maybe mid-next year, mid-next season. We don't really have a timetable for that. But maybe we should find a way of making it quote-unquote, quote-unquote, more fair. Will neutral venues help? You know, but in a sense, uh, if, if we do start next season without any fans, would it be fair to all the clubs to finish the season without any fans so that no team has an unfair advantage. Mm. So those are the questions that I've been asking myself and I don't know if the rest of the leagues have considered. The British Culture Secretary, Oliver Dowden, said the, uh, the Premier League can return on the scheduled day. I was wondering, Bix, so you think, what, what are your thoughts on the um, on Premier League coming back? Was it the right or the wrong decision? They could have just handed Liverpool the fucking trophy and and shut the whole thing down because we we surely do not need the entertainment anymore because it's not even entertaining because there are no fans. There's no, like, as we've seen from the Bundesliga, the football is fucking bland without the fans. It's like having mayo for dinner. <laughs> Okay. Um so it appears that the new normal is going to be matches played behind closed doors. Um players having to readjust to new um timetables and scheduling 
fitness and all that. Fabian, I was wondering how all these changes would affect players and especially when it comes to the suggested neutral venues for certain games and perhaps the additional substitutions that have been introduced. Um, about the neutral venues that the Premier League uh, have floated for, I think, up to around six games, uh, mm-hmm. three games involving Liverpool, uh, and a potentially fourth one involving Liverpool when they would be uh, winning the title. I, I don't get why they have to play in at neutral venues when the fans are not allowed anyway. So why, for instance, again, the Merseyside Derby, which was to be played at Goodison Park, she decided to take it to Wembley. Still, mm-hmm. Wembley would still be empty. So, I mean, <laughs> what is the logic here? Uh, that's something I don't get. And if they're worried that fans will be uh, you know, gathering maybe outside the stadiums, but See, that, that's not the footballers' problems. Yeah. That's for the authorities to deal with, the police and everything. Let them deal with that. And the police, are, uh, also the police, are, uh, the, 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 in fact, the request is coming from the police because they're saying that it will be too much work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, then but now, but uh, Fabian, have you seen football fans? There was a fucking uh, Newcastle United fan punching a police <laughs> horse. They are fucking unruly, so you cannot trust them. Is that reason enough to to take a game from Goodison Park, which the fans are never going to attend, to take it to Wembley Mm -hmm. or to some London stadium? Uh, Anyway, aside from that, there's also the issue of the additional, you know, substitutions. I think now they're allowing up to five per game, per per team, that is. Um, I, I think that's a good thing. I've always wondered why only three substitutions, because you have a squad of around twenty-five, uh, yeah. a starting eleven, and plus three substitutes. That's only fourteen. So at any one time, you have up to eleven players floating around either in the stadium or at home, not actually partic- participating in the game. Yet they train every week, every day of the week. Uh, so I think it, it it gives a chance for more players to get minutes, which is which is a good thing, and it, uh, it, it, and provides more competition, because even those players that had been sidelined, they know that now they have a real chance of getting a few minutes, maybe ten, fifteen, uh, in a in a game, which otherwise they wouldn't have been getting any minutes. So I think that's a good thing, and. Um, I hope that it can be retained even after after all this is done, after we are back to the 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 the, the, the normal. I think they should be, they should retain the five substitutions. Um and it won't waste so much time because in any case, even currently even in the Bundesliga, you only make substitute three substitutions, like three instances of making substitutions. So which means yeah, which means one one will have to be double. So that's how it should be. Just have three instances of making substitutions, but have each team allowed up to five. Yeah. Michael, if yes. this is um, implemented, say, when football returns back to 
100% normalcy. Do you yeah. foresee a situation where the top teams who have uh, stacked talent, so their first 11, the second 11 is probably as good as their first 11. Do you foresee bigger teams having a disadvantage over, say, smaller teams who, if they have to bring in five more players, and they'll obviously be players of lower quality? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, the five substitutions is going to work in in uh, in everyone's advantage. I'm going to just agree with, with Fabian because it'll give more players more opportunities. So I think since it will be, uh, uh, let me say, an option or a route that will be given to, provided to every single club, I think it will even out eventually. Because if if, if you had one sub available, to everyone and five subs, I think it will end up cancelling out. But it will also improve the general quality of squads. So in the end, it will even out. It might take some time, but I don't think it will be a huge a huge difference or huge advantage to any other club. Well, I'll be disappointed because one of the things you look forward to is player Who's that? Somebody's cooking. <laughs> hey, Bixman, what are you doing? It's not me. <laughs> are you sure it's me? Uh, yeah, it's you. Joe, I'm sat in on the on the aforementioned couch. Okay. All right. So this is this is coming this is coming to to you, Bix. Um, well, I was saying I'd be disappointed that there won't be any more prayer player revolt since players will be having enough time so no more Carlos Tevez um, refusing to come refusing to come on from the bench anyway Bix um, your team the team that you support Manchester United um, they seem to be they seem to be that's Michael Michael has disappeared no I'm here Oh, okay. That's Fab. Disappeared. It's Michael. No, no, no. Fab. Fab. Fab, Fab. is not here. Okay, fine. Beat. So, ah, Fab is back. Uh, your team seems to be the one that has benefited the most uh, when it uh, when it comes to um, players with injuries coming back after the lockdown. Do you now see them conquering all in Europe and and, and domestically? Mm. Well, if Pogba comes back, uh, there's a, a very big chance that we'll make the top four and we'll probably win the Europa League if if Ole doesn't mess up the tactics. Do you think he'll mess up the tactics? <laughs> No. Ole out. <laughs> There's a very big chance he'll he'll try to mess up, but we have the quality with Pogba and Bruno and now Young Rush and Martial all mm. fit and ready to come back. So um Tottenham have had Hurricane injured for the most part of twenty twenty. He is fit. 
But the other day I saw an image of um, Kevin De Bruyne, who's Man City's most important player, if I'm not mistaken. No. Um, he isn't who he is. <laughs> Uh, why do you all just disrespect Sergio Aguero like this? <laughs> Aguero can be injured, but City would still win games easily. Um, yeah, so uh, as I was saying, uh, player fitness is going to be key when it comes to when it comes to fighting for the top four and whatever is remaining uh, in terms of trophies and titles. Um, are teams like Tottenham and Seaman City in a better position to win more games given that their coach well, in Tottenham's case their coach has been cheating literally, trying to get them back in, in good shape, Fabio. I know. The, the instance is when they, they've been caught training in the park. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's Mourinho just being Mourinho, just trying to to rattle everyone. But uh, I don't think it will it will make a big difference uh, because other coaches, <clears throat> even if they hadn't been uh, with their players, uh, I think other coaches had been busy, uh, like like Kainov uh, Ateta, who had been following up on every player's training regime uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. So I think Arsenal players, each of them are being sent what they like their training regime, what they needed to do, and then they were being assessed day by day before they were, that was before they were allowed back to the training pitches. So it's not going to uh, what uh, Mourinho did with uh, the likes of Aurier and uh, Zitsi It's not, it's not going to. It's not going to make a big difference because at the moment, anyway, every team is back training. So I don't see, I don't foresee any, any difference in, in, in that. Um, and of course, when you look at, you've mentioned uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Harry Kane, who have been, I don't know if it's the pictures of the, or that's how they, they've returned. <laughs> they don't look. Pictures make you they, they don't look in good shape, but I'm sure uh, the return is is scheduled to be on 17th. So, so still almost three weeks. Uh, they'll be back in shape. So <laughs> they won't. They won't be. They won't. I, I'm sure all the players across all the clubs will struggle for the first maybe one, two, three games. Um, but but it will be ac- across the board, not not just uh, localized to specific teams. Right. I, ju- I, I just hope that Ole has been sending the players actual training regimes and ju- not just telling them <laughs> we are Man United. <laughs> <laughs> Practice on your shooting. I'm sure that's what he's been saying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, but it's true. I think KDB needs to. I think KDB and Shaw have been meeting up during this <laughs> off season, <laughs> and uh, they need yeah. to lay off the pizzas because uh, it's now it's now time to entertain us when we're in lockdown. They've been so. keeping McDonald's afloat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, KDB, I think is two sizes. He wears a two size, a two. I think his shorts are two sizes bigger now, mm. but. 
in three weeks, they'll all be fine, in my opinion, and uh, they'll be ready to go. Right. Um, so we, I'd like to close by asking about, by asking Fabian about this David Luiz contract situation. What's going on there? Hey, it's a, uh, it's a bit messed up, uh, because when <clears throat> when David Luiz signed uh, last summer, we all thought he had signed for two two years. Uh, mm-hmm. with an option for a further one-year extension. But as it turn, turns out, he only signed for one one year, and which is ending June 30th. So, and this after Arsenal paid £8 million to Chelsea, uh, paid Louis, David Luiz, uh, is it £10 million, uh, okay, for his salary acro- across the one year, and uh, I think six million to intermediaries and agents. I mean, at a certain point, you've got to question what the hell is going on at that club. These are 30 down there at the Emirates. <laughs> These are thirty-two-year-old uh, centre back who's past his his best, is, and you're signing him for only one season, and you're paying. That's a total outlay of around twenty-four million pounds to sign a thirty-two-year-old for one year. Yeah, who's that, that's uh, ridiculous. You know, a club like Juve would sign thirty-two players for that for that that amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that's I just thought what Fab saying. I think that this whole David Luiz situation just summarizes how Arsenal is run as a club. It's quite interesting that as a player like David Luiz at that age, I'm not saying he's not uh, okay. He's not one of the best defenders in the world. He's I think paying prone. eight million. Just say he's he's accident prone <laughs> to to cover his <laughs> his mistakes. No, yeah, oh, fine. He's uh, he's an accident prone defender. defender who I feel like he's past his best, mm. and it would it was not it didn't make sense. For him to sign just one season and the club is just ready to let him go after spending and, so and, much. And you see, even further to that, uh, he's actually been Arsenal's best defender. So, Mikel Ateta, and he's Look very key to how Mikel Ateta wants to play. So, from the coach's yes. perspective, I'm sure he'd want David Luiz to stay at least for one more season. Uh, so, now they have yes. to renegotiate to extend this, uh, his, his contract and from the club's perspective, if they're going to extend, they're going to have to uh, reduce his wages. He's currently on £120,000 per week. So th- I'm sure they'll, they'll want him at a lower wage, maybe 100 or 80. Uh, and, and, and this after, the, the players, that's not players signed off on a, a wage reduction arrangement with the club. They by around 12%. So, at a certain point, even from David Luiz's perspective, is it really, is it really a good deal for him? Uh, he, yeah, he, he can go to China and make like 600,000 <laughs> pounds per week. Exactly, and it's, it's not like Arsenal are going to win the league. <laughs> like Oscar did. You know, if Arsenal are going to win the league next season, you could say, ah, okay, let me just stay even for peanuts, but <laughs> we're doing something, but it's not happening. So it's 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 very very uh, confusing for 
for me as a fan because now we have uh, of course we have a, a bit more center backs than we probably need but but david lewis is not the person i thought would be would, would be leaving this season uh, i was thinking along the lines of maybe socrates uh who who defense by by you know war cries uh <laughs> you know that yeah yeah I, i've actually seen him he just comes sometimes and just shouts at, at the opponent uh, trying to scare the opponent so i was thinking and it's for starting so Socrates should be leaving maybe mustafi as well and maybe chambers no not chambers uh holding But now if David Luiz is leaving and uh, William Saliba is coming and he's like 20 or 19, 20, I mean, he needed somebody like yeah. Luiz to be there to, I don't know, he can see the mistakes of Luiz and do the opposite. And Luiz can tell him or he can give him a bit of advice on his experience. So it's a bit messed up for the club right now. Uh, me, I'm hoping they can extend Luiz for one season because otherwise we are, we are royally screwed. <laughs> you don't think that uh, Saliba can come and cover the gap left by Hey man, this is the Premier League but <laughs> 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 I, I know I know I know it's good but this is the Premier League he's going to struggle I'm telling you and and so okay say Levin Lewis has gone Saliba is coming who is going to be partnering him Mustafi Yeah I would like that <laughs> of course you'd like that <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would I love it. I would understand that. <laughs> like Kevin Keegan. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um so we are going to end this week's pod uh by mentioning a few players here of actually they are the new generation who appears to be very politically aware work. um in this evening's game yeah work that's the, the the general term that we use these days uh this evening's games in the bundesliga so marcus thuram and jadon sancho show support and pay tribute to george floyd of course george floyd was murdered by um minnesota minneapolis policemen uh and of course this has generated worldwide attention it appears that young players are, be- are becoming bolder in making political statements of course this has ramifications um as as racism is a problem that is still huge in football um of course we are going to keep an eye on all the leagues that are coming back we are going to be here next week discussing the return of Serie A and the return of Premier League of course we uh, will also try and preview the matches that are in store in the Bundesliga uh, till then we hope that you keep safe so bigs thank you for joining us today will you come back again probably Uh Fabian, thank you for joining us. So is insightful. Thanks for having me. Uh looking forward to next time. And Michael. Right. And Michael, once again. Thank you for joining. So, See you. It's always a pleasure. It is. Right. That's it for this week. See you next week. Thank you. Like, retweet, share. <laughs> Bye-bye.
Bye. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Yeah.